the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message is Seeing Ourselves as God Sees Us. Seeing Ourselves as God Sees Us. How we see ourselves is very important. If you see yourself as a loser, then you're most likely to be a loser in life. If you see yourself as a victim, you're going to let other people victimize you all your life. If you see yourself as not too creative, then you'll never create anything. If you see yourself as a failure, then you are likely to be a failure. Because what you see is what you get. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Belief determines behavior. The way we think determines the way we act. The problem is a lot of stuff we believe is just false. Many of us may have grown up with an inaccurate picture of ourselves because some adult told us something as a child and we thought this is an adult therefore they should know and you tend to believe it whether it was right or wrong said in anger or said in jest you internalized what they said and put it into your memory bank and you have operated on that for perhaps many years And it was false. Some of you can remember things that were said to you 20 or 30 or more years ago. And someone may have said to you, you're never going to amount to anything. And you just filed that away. See, everybody has emotional scars. So how do you get rid of them? How do you deal with the past? The antidote is to learn to see yourself from God's point of view. If you really grasp what it means to see yourself as God sees you, it will change your life completely. So when we learn to see ourselves the way God sees us, it makes all the difference in the world, in the way we function, in the way we think. Today, we're looking at God's view 
of ourselves. And there are four things uh, that I have here on the outline about what God says to us as believers because of his grace. So how does God view us? Number one, God sees us as acceptable. God sees us as acceptable. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 7, in the contemporary English version says, Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. He made us acceptable to God and gave us hope of eternal life. So the most hurtful thing in life is rejection. When you're rejected by a parent, a spouse, a former spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a teacher, or anyone that's important to you, it really hurts. And so we spend most of our lives doing everything we can to avoid rejection. We want acceptance more than anything else in life. We want acceptance from parents, from peers, from neighbors, from people we respect, and from people we envy. We want acceptance from people we don't even like. And so we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even know. Why? Because the desire to be accepted drives everything that we do. It drives the, the kind of clothes we wear, the kind of car we drive, the, the kind of house we buy, the career we choose, the type of job we want, and you can name many other things. But so many of the decisions we, we make are based on the desire for approval, the desire to be accepted, uh, to be recognized, to be significant. People do the craziest things just to be accepted. This is one of the prime reasons our teenagers join gangs. They want to be accepted by their peers, so they do really stupid things. And all of us, whether we admit it or not, want to be accepted and we want to be loved. We want people to see our value. But God settled the question of acceptance a long time ago. Listen to Paul as he writes to Titus in Titus chapter 3, uh, 5 through 7. He saved us not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins and gave us new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us because of what Jesus Christ, our Savior, did. He declared us not guilty because of his great kindness. And now we know that we will inherit eternal life. Now, I don't know what you may have done. I don't know what or who you may have done it with. I don't know how many things you have done wrong in your life. But I do know that if you believe in Jesus Christ and receive him as your Savior, then 
he has accepted you or God has accepted you just as you are. You see, God says you're acceptable to him. Not because of of, um, any good things you've done. Because you can't do uh, enough good things in order to satisfy God. So it's not because of because you merit his grace, but because he loved you from before the foundation of the world. So many of you have been Christians for years and you still don't realize God has accepted you as you are. In your mind, you're still trying to earn God's favor. But God has accepted you. He won't accept you any more than he accepts you today or any less than he accepts you today because his acceptance of you is not based on your performance but on his grace. We know as children that um, we love to be chosen. It's good to be chosen for an award, to be chosen for recognition, it's fun to be chosen and singled out. And we all want to, be, want to be chosen. But look who has chosen you. Paul say, or Peter says in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 and 10, But you are God's chosen and special people. You are a group of royal priests and a holy nation. God has brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now you must tell all the wonderful things he has done. The scriptures say, once you were nobody, now you are God's people. At one time, no one had mercy on you. Now God has treated you with kindness. You see, God chose you to be his his child, to love you, and for you to live with him for eternity. That's better than anything else in the universe. It doesn't matter who rejects you. If someone doesn't like you, that's his or her problem. We live for the love and approval of our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 27 and verse 10 the psalmist says, My father and mother may abandon me, but the Lord will take care of me. See, God not only sees us as acceptable, but secondly, God sees us as valuable. He sees us as valuable. If I see myself the way God sees me, then I see myself as valuable. I'm not just acceptable, I'm worth something. I'm worth a lot. Jesus says this in, in Luke chapter 12 and verse, and verse 24. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest. They don't have storerooms or barns. But God feeds them. And you are worth much more than birds. You see, if God takes care of the little bit of birds, then he certainly will take care of us because we are important to him. We are valuable, more valuable than birds because we share his image and his character. 
And so let me ask you a question. How much do you think you are worth? I'm not talking about your net financial worth. I'm talking about your self-worth. What is it that creates value? What makes something valuable? Two things. One, who owns it? Is the owner creates value? If somebody is famous and they own something, something very common or ordinary, it can be worth a whole lot. At some of these auctions, they will offer stuff that celebrities have, have had and it's worth a whole lot. So which is more valuable? Your tennis shoes or Michael Jordan's? No question. Or your car or Denzel Washington's car? No question. You see, who owns it determines the value. So, you, so who do you belong to? You belong to God. You don't get any bigger than that. You belong to God. He made you. He created you. He died for you. He saved you. Imagine your worth that he should leave heaven to come to earth at Christmas for the simple uh, reason of redeeming you from your sins. But the second thing that creates value is what something is, someone is willing to pay for it. So how much is your house worth? What do you think? It's worth whatever somebody is willing to pay for it. You may think it is worth $300,000, say, but if someone is only willing to pay $250,000, that's what it's worth. The market determines the value. But look at how much God paid for you and me. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, verses 23. You have been bought and paid for by Christ, so you belong to him. You see, the greatest ransom ever paid was for you and for me. God exchanged his son for us. That's how much value he he considers us to be. Jesus did not die for junk, and we are not junk. God says we are acceptable and we are valuable. The cross proves our value. We are of infinite value to God. If God says you are of value, it doesn't matter what anybody else says about you. But thirdly, God sees us as lovable. God sees us as lovable. God sees us not just as acceptable and valuable, but as lovable. The most famous verse in the New Testament talks about this, where John chapter 3 and verse 16 uh, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't say that God loves people who are beautiful or people who are intelligent or people who are religious or perfect. He says, God so loved the world, the world of sinners. That means me and you and everybody else in the world. So God so loved the world 
because he made us all. And so God says in Isaiah chapter 54 and verse, and verse 10, For the mountains may move, and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. So there are two characteristics of God's love we should always keep in mind. We should never forget these. And the first characteristic is that God's love is consistent. God is not fickle. He does not have good days and bad days and wakes up and says, well, I don't love anybody today. So God is consistent in loving. He never stops loving. He never gets moody. He is consistent in his love for us, his children. And the second thing we need to keep in mind is that God's love is unconditional. God doesn't say, I love you if, and here are the, con- the conditions. He just says, I love you, period. Because it's not based on your performance. It is based on his character. He just says, I love you, you are mine, I made you, I saved you, I bought you, I want you to be with me for eternity. You're mine. You never need to to ask yourself, is God going to love me today? Did I pray enough today? Did I do all the right things? Did I cross the T's and dot the I's? But as I said earlier, God will never love you more than he does right now. He will never love you any less than he does right now. Because his love is consistent and unconditional. But number four, God sees us as forgivable. God sees us as forgivable. We do not realize how forgiven we really are. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. It says, Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. So what an incredible verse. See, before God made you, he knew everything that you were going to do in your life. He knew all of the mistakes that you would make, all of the sins that you would commit. He knew the worst thing you were going to do. And there is one thing you will never hear God say, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) He sees it all. And God who sees it all says in advance, I'm willing to forgive you no matter what you have done. Because Jesus Christ has already paid the price for your sins. And that's good news. You see, if I receive Christ, then my sins are wiped out. Not just sins of the moment, but 
since past, present, and future. That is what grace is all about. You see, forgiveness is such a great gift. We have a tough time believing and receiving it. And this is seen in our view of God. How often do we think, God is mad at me. God is getting even with me. He is getting back at me for what I have done wrong. So when something bad happens in our lives, we think, I must have done something wrong for God to allow this to happen to me. No, that's not the way God works. Never think that God is trying to get back at you for anything. That's not how God functions. We function that way, but that's not the way God functions. Isaiah 43 and and 25 says, I am the God who forgives your sins, and I do this because of who I am. I will not hold your sins against you. See, God does not hold grudges. He's not sitting in heaven rehearsing our sins, looking looking at, um, at our sins with a giant TV screen. And because he erased our sins, he does not rehearse them. He releases them. You see, if you are a Christian today, God sees you as acceptable, as valuable, as lovable, and forgivable. Because in Christ, he has redeemed us from our sins, justified us from our guilt, made us joint heirs with Jesus Christ, clothed us with his righteousness, or the righteousness of Christ, adopted us into his family, enriched us with all spiritual blessings, filled us with joy unspeakable, and recorded our names in the Lamb's Book of Life. You see, when a person receives Christ as their Lord and Savior, wonderful things begin to happen in their life. You see, where there had been fear, now faith is in control. Where there had been sadness, now joy abides. Where there had been despair, now hope stands firm. Where there had been anxiety, now assurance reigns. And where there had been evil, now good prevails. As the Apostle Paul says, uh, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So with new ears, when we have accepted Christ and he changes us, we listen to the preached word. With new eyes, we look upon God's creation, and it it excites us to see the glory and the power of God. With new enthusiasm, we can carry out our responsibilities. With new attitudes, we can confront our difficulties. And with new desires, we hunger after righteousness. It's because God sees us as acceptable, valuable, Lovable and forgivable. We can trust him. And he will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You see, although others may gossip about us, although others may betray uh, our confidence, he won't. Although others may, 
may let you down, falsely accuse you, hold a grudge against you, disregard your feelings. He won't. Although others may undermine your efforts, ruin your reputation, misjudge your motives, reject your love, and although others may ignore your needs and may misunderstand your situation, God will not. There is just nobody like our God. So when nobody else knows, he knows. When nobody else cares, he cares. When nobody else sees, he sees. When nobody else understands, he understands. When nobody else loves, he loves. And when nobody else can, he can. There's never been a battle that our Lord could not win. There's never been a burden that our Lord could not lift. There's never been a disease that God could not heal. There's never been a heartache that God could not feel. There's never been a loneliness that God could not comfort, a promise that God could not keep, a problem that God could not solve, a sinner that God could not forgive, a life that God could not transform, a sickness that God could not cure, or a weakness that God could not strengthen, or a sorrow that God could not share. You see, nobody is like him. He always was, he is, and will always be. He is God all by himself. And one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, not only that he is God, supreme, but that Jesus Christ is the King of kings, Lord of lords, to the glory of the Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 1045 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.